Chapter Nine of The Place Beyond the Winds. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Place Beyond the Winds by Harriet Teresa Comstock. Chapter Nine. The next day was gloriously clear and threateningly warm. Such days do not come to Kenmore in September except to lure the unheeding to acts of folly. And at two o'clock in the afternoon Priscilla, from the kitchen door, saw Jerry Joe paddling his canoe in still, Indian fashion around Lone Tree Island. Theodore was off erranding, and Nathaniel, as far as human knowledge went, was in some distant field. He had started off directly after dinner. Priscilla was ready for her adventure. With the natural desire of youth, she had decked herself out in her modest finery, a stiffly starched white gown of a cheap but pretty design, a fluff of soft lace at throat and wrist, and, over it, the old red cape that years before had added to her appearance as she danced on the rocks. Perhaps remembering that, she had utilized the garment and was thankful that cloth lasted so long in Kenmore. The coquetry of girlhood rose happily in Priscilla's heart. Jerry Joe had become again simply a link in her chain of events. He had lost the importance the flash of the evening before had given him. He was not forgiven, but for the time he was, as a human being, forgotten. He was Jerry Joe who was to paddle her to her heart's desire. That was it, and the old words, set to music of her own, were the signals used to attract McAlpin's attention. But the merry call brought Glenn from out the barn just as the canoe touched the rocks lightly and Priscilla prepared to step in. "'Where are you two going?' he shouted in the tone that always roused the worst in Priscilla's nature. Jerry Joe paused, paddle in air, but his companion whispered, "'Go on.' To Nathaniel she flung back, "'We're going to have a bit of fun, and why not, father? I'm tired of staying at home.' This was unfortunate." On the home question, Glenn was very clear and decided. "'Come back,' he ordered, but the little canoe had shot out into the channel. "'Hi there, McAlpin. Do you hear?' "'Go on,' again whispered Priscilla, and Jerry Joe heard only her soft command, for his senses were filled with the loveliness of her charming, defiant face, set under the broad brim of a hat around which was twined a wreath of natural flowers as blue as the girl's laughing eyes. Nathaniel defied and helpless stood by the barn door and impotently fumed as the canoe rounded lone tree island and was lost to his infuriated sight you'll catch it jerry joe comforted when pursuit was impossible and he had the responsibility of the rebel on his hands i wouldn't be in your place and you need not drag me in for i'd have turned back had you said the word a fleeting contempt stirred the beauty of the girl's face for a moment and then she told him of that which was seething in her heart what does it matter jerry joe all my life ever since i can remember i have been growing surely to what is now near at hand i cannot abide my father nor can he find comfort in me why should i darken the lives of my parents and have no life of my own the lure of the states has always been in my thought and now it calls near and loud mcalpin stared helplessly at her and her beauty enhanced by her unusual garments moved him unwholesomely what do you mean he muttered only this it would be no strange thing did a boy start for the states a little money a ticket on a steamer and poof off the boys and men go to make their lives 
Well, then, some day you will. Find me gone, Jerry Joe, Gone to make my life. Will you miss me? This question caused McAlpin to stop battling. You won't be let, he murmured. You, a girl? I, a girl, Priscilla laughed scornfully. You will see. This day, after I have thanked him up yonder, I am going to ask his mother to help me get away. Surely a lady such as she could help me. I will not ask much of her, only the guiding hand to a safe place where I can live. Oh, can you understand how all my life I have been smothered and stifled? I often wonder what sort I will be, out there. I'm willing to suffer while I learn, but Jerry Joe, and here the excited voice paused, I have a strange feeling of myself. I sometimes feel as if there were two of me, the one holding, demanding, and protecting the other. I will not have men always making my life and shielding me. The woman of me will have its way. Men and boys never know this feeling. And Jerry Joe could, of course, understand nothing of this, but the thing he had set out to do, more in rude, brutish fun than anything else, assumed graver purpose. A new and ugly look grew in his bold eyes, a sinister smile on his red mouth, which showed the points of his white, fang-like teeth. But Priscilla, too absorbed with her own thoughts, did not notice. It was four o'clock when the canoe touched the landing spot of Farhill Place, and Priscilla sprang out. "'I'll bide here. Don't be long,' said McAlpin. But Priscilla paused and glanced up at the sky. "'It's darkening,' she faltered, a shyness overcoming her. "'I smell thunder.' Don't you think you'd better come up with me, Jerry Joe? Suppose they are not at home. They'll be back soon in that case, and as for a shower, that would hasten them and you would be under shelter. I can turn the canoe over me and be dry as a mouse in a hayrick. I'll not go with you, not I. Do your own part, with them looking on as we'll enjoy it. I believe you are jealous, Jerry Joe. This was said idly, and more to fill in an awkward pause than for anything else and much good that would do me after what you've just said if you're bound for the devil priscilla tis little power i have to stay you i'm not for the devil priscilla flung back and started sturdily up the hill path toward the house hidden among the trees out of mcalpin's sight the girl went more slowly while she sought to arrange her mode of attack if her host were what he once was he would make everything easy after she recalled herself to him as for the mother Priscilla had only a dim memory of her, but something told her that the call would be a happy and memorable one after the first moment. A bit of tune cheered the girl. A repeating of the road song helped even more, for it resurrected most vividly the young fellow who had introduced music and happiness into her life. "'I'll be doshed,' she cried. The word had not passed her lips for years. It brought a laugh and a complete restoration of poise. So she reached the house." smoke was issuing from the chimney a fire had been made even on this hot day but like enough it was to dry the place after the years of closed doors and windows evidently it was a many-houred fire for the plume of smoke was faint and steady the broad door was set wide but the windows were still boarded up at the front of the house though the side ones had escaped that protection priscilla knocked and waited no reply or sound came in response and presently a low muttering of distant thunder broke. "'That will bring them in short order,' she said, "'and surely they will not object if I make myself comfortable until they come.' 
she went inside the room had the appearance of one from which the owner had long been absent that unaccountable vacant look although a work-bag hung on the back of the chair by the roaring fire and a blot of oil lay on the table near the lamp which had evidently been recently filled back of these tokens lay a wide sense of desolation for a moment priscilla hesitated before sitting down her courage failed but a second thought reconciled conditions with a brief stay after long absence and she decided to wait and while she waited suddenly and alarmingly the storm burst the darkness of the room and the wooded space outside had deceived her there was no escape now she was concerned for the people she had come to see jerry joe she knew would crawl under his boat and be as dry as a tortoise in its shell but those others with this thought she set about mechanically making the room comfortable she piled on fresh wood and noticed that it was so wet that it sputtered dangerously presently the wind changed sharply and a blast of almost icy coldness carried the driving rain halfway across the floor it was something of a struggle to close the heavy door for it opened outward and priscilla was drenched by the time it was made secure breathing hard she made her way to the fire and knelt before it the glow drew her attention from the darkness of the space back and around her it was unfortunate and depressing and she had no choice but to make herself as comfortable as she might though a sense of painful uneasiness grew momentarily at first she imagined it was fear of what she must encounter upon her return home then she felt sure it was her dread of meeting the people for whom she had risked so much finally jerry joe loomed in the foreground of her thought and an entirely new terror was born in her soul jerry joe she laughed aloud as his name passed her lips jerry joe to be sure my how thankful i'd be to see him this instant and with the assertion she turned shudderingly toward the door the gloom behind her only emphasized her nervousness i'll i'll have to go she whispered suddenly while the wind and the slashing of sleety rain defied her it will be better out of doors bad as it is the grim loneliness of four walls compared with the dangers of the open was worse but when priscilla trembling and panting reached the door and pushed she found that the storm was pitting its strength against hers and she could not budge it oh well she half sobbed if i must i must and she stealthily tiptoed back to the warmth and light as if fearing to arouse something she knew not what in the dim place there was no way of estimating time the minutes were like hours and the hours were like minutes while priscilla sat alone as a matter of fact it was after seven when steps unmistakable steps sounded on the porch and carried both apprehension and relief to the storm-bound prisoner inside thank heaven breathed she and sprang to her feet she was midway in the room when the door opened and as if flayed forward by the lashing storm jerry joe broke into the shadow and drew the heavy oak door after him in a black panic of fear priscilla saw him turn the key in the lock before he spoke a word to her then he came forward flung his wet cap toward the hearth and laughed what's the matter he asked quickly as priscilla's white face confronted him disappointed i suppose do you begrudge me a bit of warmth and shelter god knows i'm drenched to the bone the rain came up from the earth as well as down from the clouds it's a devil's storm and no mistake what you staring at priscilla had you forgotten me thought me dead and now you're looking at my ghost didn't i wait long enough for you where are the 
others. This seemed to clarify and steady the situation, and Priscilla gave a slight laugh. To be sure, you did not know. They, they were away. The storm came up suddenly. I had to wait. You are wet through and through, Jerry Joe. It's good we have such a fire. You'll be comfortable in a moment. I'm glad you came. I was getting afraid. Let's see if there is any oil in the lamp, Jerry Joe exclaimed. He was in no mood for darkness himself. They must have filled it before they went, Priscilla answered. See, there is some oil on the table. McAlpin struck a match, and soon the room was flooded with a new brightness that reached even to the far corners and seemed to set free the real loneliness that held these two together. I, I managed to keep this dry, McAlpin spoke huskily. I always have a bite with me when I take to the woods. Who can ever tell what may happen? He pushed a coarse sandwich toward Priscilla and began eating one himself. "'Go on,' he said. "'I'm not hungry, Jerry Joe, and I want to start back home at once.' Jerry Joe leered at her over his bread and meat. "'What's your hurry? I want to get warm and dry before I set out again. This is an all-nighter of a storm if I know anything about it. Get dry, of course, Jerry Joe. It won't take long with this heat. Then we must start, storm or no storm.' The old discomfort and unrest returned, and she fixed her eyes on Jerry Joe. "'There's no great hurry,' said he, munching away. "'It's warm here and cozy. "'What's got you, Priscilla? "'You was mighty keen to come, and you ain't finished your errand yet. "'What's ailing you? "'No one could help the storm, and we'd be swamped in the bay if we were there now.' Priscilla got up and walked slowly toward the door, but without any apparent reason Jerry Joe rose also, and, still chewing his bread and meat, backed away from the table, keeping himself between the girl and whatever her object was. Noticing this, a real terror seized upon Priscilla, and she darted in the opposite direction, reached the hearth, and was bending toward a heavy poker which lay there, before she herself could have explained her motive. Jerry Joe was alert, tossing his food upon the table as he strode forward. He gripped her wrist. "'None of that,' he muttered. "'What ails you, Priscilla?' They faced each other at close range. "'I—I I am afraid of you.' At this McAlpin threw back his head and roared with laughter, releasing her at the same time. With freedom Priscilla gained a bit of courage and a keen sense of the necessity of calmness. She did not move away from Jerry Joe, but fixing him with her wide eyes she asked, "'Are—are the—family here? Here in Kenmore?' Suspicion and anger shook the voice. The slow, tense words brought things down to fact. No, God knows where they are. I don't know or care. Brought face to face with great danger, mental or physical, the majority of people rise to the call. Priscilla knew now that she was in grave peril, peril of a deeper kind than even her tormentor could realize. Every nerve and emotion came to her defense. She would hold this creature at bay as hunters hold the wild things of the woods when gun or club fail. Then, after that, she would have to deal with what must inevitably confront her at home. She seemed to be standing alone amid cruel and unfamiliar foes, but she was calm. You lied, then? What for? What do you think? You believe, by shutting me away from everything, everyone, you can win what otherwise you could not get? It all seemed cruelly plain now. She felt she had always known it. Something like that, yes. You'll come to me fast enough, after tonight. Once you come, I'll... 
I'll do the fair and square thing by you, Priscilla. The half-pleading caught the girl's thought. You mean, by this device you'll make me marry you? You'll blacken my name, bar my father's house to me, and then you'll be generous and marry me? Jerry Joe dropped his bold, dark eyes. I never cared for you, Jerry Joe. I hate you now. At this, McAlpin raised his head, and a fierce red colored his face. You'll get over that, he muttered. Any port in a storm, you know. You better not drive me now. I ain't safe, and I've got you tight for tonight. Suddenly, the pure flame of spirituality flashed into the soul of Priscilla Glenn. Alone, undefended, facing a hideous possibility, beyond which lay a black certainty of desolation, she rose supreme to protect something that her rudely aroused womanhood must defend, even by death. "'You beast!' she cried, and all her shrinking fear fell from her. "'Go back! Sit down! I have something to say to you before—' She did not finish, but the pause made Jerry Joe understand that she recognized her position. "'I'll stand here, by God!' he almost shouted, and came close. The proximity of the rough, coarse body was the one thing the girl felt she could not bear. She smelled the odor of his wet clothing, felt his breath— and she shrank back a step. This, this body, Jerry Joe McAlpin, she whispered, is all you can touch. That I will kill tomorrow. The next day, it does not matter. But the soul of me shall haunt you while you live. Night and day it shall torment and clutch you until it brings your sinful spirit to, to God. You, you devil, cried McAlpin, all the superstitious fear of his mixed blood chilling him. You, and then, as if daring the fate she had it in her power to evoke, he rushed toward her and clasped her close in his strong arms. His face bent over hers, his lips parted from his cruel teeth, but he did not force them upon her. So here she was, she, Priscilla Glenn, in the jaws of death, she who would have laughed, danced, and sang her way straight into happiness. Here she was, with what on ahead, if she lived— she waited, she struggled, then she relaxed in the iron hold, and for a moment, only a moment, lost the sense of reality. Presently words that McAlpin was saying came to her in the black stillness of her consciousness. I had to have you. Now that I've shown you my power, I can wait until you come whining to me. I ain't going to hurt you. I want you as you are when you come a-begging of me. I only want to prove to you that I've got you. Again Priscilla was aware of the red warmth of the fire, the sickening smell of drying wool, the loosening of the bands of McAlpin's arms. You, you who boast that when you hunt, out of season, you shoot one shot in the air in order to give a poor wild thing a chance of escape. You bring me here with a lie, close every hope to me, and call that victory? You, you fiend, what do you mean? She was standing free at last. She was so weak that she staggered to a chair, fearing that McAlpin, seeing her need, might again lay hands upon her. I mean, that I fired my shot. Her words had caught his fancy. You have your chance to... to get away. But where? Where? The dark face leered. See, I'm going to leave you. Go out into the night. You can try for your... your life... But in the end, you'll come to me. I don't care what they of Kenmore will say. I'll know you are... 
what you are and sympathy will be with me gal when i take you and you'll know once you come to me proper and asking i'll do i'll do the best any man could do for i love you this was flung out desperately defiantly yes i love you as jerry joe mcalpin knows how to love it's his way remember that not a word rose to priscilla's lips she saw mcalpin turn and stride to the door she heard him turn the key and she was alone but a strange thing happened just at that moment a thing that did more to unnerve the girl than anything that had gone before as the heavy oak door slammed after the retreating figure the jar caused the tall clock back among the shadows of the far side of the room to strike one two three then followed a whirring that faded into deathly silence it was like the voice of one believed to be dead speaking frightened but thoroughly roused to her only hope priscilla staggered to the door clutched the key in cold trembling fingers and turned it in the lock then sinking upon her knees she crept back to the fire keeping close to the wall if an eye were pressed to a knot-hole in the shutter it could not follow her end of chapter nine recording by nancy cochran gergen gilbert arizona